I'm looking forward to this morning because it's a, a little bit different. I'm going to preach for, uh, for a few moments and then we have a, a DVD presentation that we want to give you and then I'm going to interview uh, Zed Murray. Now, where's Zed sitting today? Give me a wave. Okay, you are here. That's good. I'm relaxed now. Zed's here and I'm going to interview Zed about some of his uh, trials and tribulations of being an athlete and, uh, and some of the things that he's been able to do and how that might relate to us uh, in scripture today. Before I go any further though, I do want to let you know we don't have any message notes so because it's a slightly unusual service, so if you would like to take down some notes, make sure you grab a pen and a piece of paper and write them for yourselves. Also, before I get into God's Word today, I would just like to remind you that uh, at our iConnect desk, we have a number of soap journals. Now, for those of you that know what soap journals are, scripture, observation, application, and prayer, and they're a great way to get into God's Word in a systematic way, and so we have three journals that are available for you. We have a, a kid's one that looks something like that. Since it's the start of the year, it's a good time to start a kid's soap journal, uh, and it's obviously age-appropriate, so it's done in a way that is relevant for kids. We have sort of a more masculine-looking soap journal. That's that one there. Uh, for all of you girls that are in touch with your masculine side and for all of you blokes, you can grab that one. And then we have a slightly more decorative one, which might be aimed at women or guys that are in touch with their feminine side. So you can grab that one as well. So we have a soap journal for all tastes. Uh, and there's plenty there, so make sure you get them. I think they're reasonably cheap, 10 bucks, 10 bucks, something like that. If you're unable to afford $10, let me know. We'll see what we can do. We don't want anyone missing out on God's Word in 2014. Okay, why don't we bow our heads for a moment in prayer and we'll commit our time to our wonderful Saviour and God Jesus. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather around your Word this morning. And Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit would speak to us through it, that you would reveal the truth that is contained within it. You would uh, show us how it applies to us as your people, how we can become more Christ-like through it. And Lord, we pray that the seed of your word wouldn't be stolen from us, but Lord, it would be planted deep and that it would bear eternal fruit. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this is part two of a series called Succeeding on God's Team. And Kevin Bailey launched the series last week. He was talking about life as a soldier. And our, our scripture uh, is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 to 6. And today I'm going to continue on with, uh, uh, with life as an athlete. And then next week, our resident agriculturalist, Jacob Cunningham, <laughs> who knows lots about farming. <laughs> in fact, I think you might have had a little bit of farming experience in your, in your younger years. Did you have a herb garden or a veggie patch at home? A veggie patch. There we go. So he's going to be drawing on uh, the wealth of knowledge that he has from veggie patches and, uh, and a whole lot of research to, uh, to talk to us about life as a farmer. So if you have your Bibles this morning, why don't you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to read uh, verse, verses 3 to 6. Actually, I'll read from verse 1 just to give it a little bit of context. 2 Timothy chapter 2, right after 1 Timothy. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Not one serving as a soldier gets involved, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, 
He does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. And so we see here three lessons from scripture that Paul is teaching Timothy. And we're going to delve into that today. So if you haven't got last week's message from Kevin Bailey, he shared on his time as an SAS uh, officer, or I'm not sure if he was an officer, but a member of the SAS regiment, uh, and some of the experiences he had there and how that related to his Christian life, make sure you order that online. It's on the Bayside website. Uh, you can go to Message of the Week, uh, or you can go to the iTunes store and download it as a podcast there. Or if you like CDs, you can order that from the iConnect desk as well. So we can get that to you and you can catch up on the series so far. So the athlete, the first lesson that we learn here about the athlete is that they compete. Now, those of you that don't like competitions, I've got bad news for you because you're in one. Your whole of life is a competition. And we'll look at the two races that we're in in a minute. But, but I uh, send my kids to a Christian school and they're very nurturing and very caring at this Christian school. So much so that when we first arrived, they didn't like competitions with winners and losers. Because if you have a winner, you've also got to have a loser, and that's not good. You know, that could hurt self-esteem. And so they, they went right away from that. But in some ways, I understand that, and I get that. Uh, they've changed a little bit since then. But the reality is that we are in a competition. Life is a competition. It's a competition for the prize that God has for us. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the prize in just a moment. The word competition there uh, is a word that many of you will recognize instantly. It's called athle athleo. And, of course, it's the word that we get our term athlete from. And it means to engage in a contest, to contend for a prize. Uh, and it also means, the context of that, is to contend and compete for a prize in a way that requires endurance and sometimes suffering. Are you all excited about that this morning? Endurance and suffering. Yay! Yeah, I'm not excited about that. Endurance and suffering, competing for a prize. But often that's the case, isn't it? Because when we're running for a prize or when we're in some sort of contest, there'll be a point in that competition where you hit the pain barrier or where you hit some sort of threshold which you've got to push through to gain victory. That's what that word implies. So the type of contest also is more like a wrestling match. So it's not just a quick sprint, but it's a long, arduous, torturous event that uh, is designed to wear you down. And so we're in a wrestling match that, uh, that is intended uh, to bring up hardship, that is intended to bring up suffering at some point uh, that we need to overcome with God's help to win the prize. Now, uh, I'll be interviewing Zed a bit later on. He's not an expert in Greco-Roman wrestling, you'll be pleased to know, but, uh, but we will be drawing on his experience and what he's been doing. So I think, uh, think of wrestling when you're in, uh, when you're in, in that context of, of life's journey. Uh, we're in wrestling with two different types of things. The first one is with our sin nature. Romans chapter 7 verses 15 to 19 says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in... <laughs> Let me start that again. I'm getting tongue-tied. I feel like I'm in a Dr. Seuss novel. Verse 18. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. 
Phew. Now, if you're confused by that, join the club. But this is Paul talking about the battle that he constantly has with his sin nature. And we all have that battle. Although we can be born again into the kingdom of God, although we can be regenerated on the inside, there is still this human nature that we have that rises up when we're not, when we're not on guard and that can cause us to act in a certain way or say certain things that we regret later on. And this is the story of the New Testament, how Jesus came and imparted his Holy Spirit to give us power over our sin nature. Paul's saying here that, that he wrestled with his sin nature in trying to be obedient to the law and he couldn't do it. He struggled with it. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not, so that you are not to do whatever you want. That's Paul speaking in Galatians there. There's a battle going on, and we need to bear, be aware of it. It's a wrestle. Your sin nature intends to pin you down. That's what it wants to do. Put your shoulders on the canvas for the count of three, so you are out. It wants to disqualify you from your Christian faith and from your Christian life. The second area that we're wrestling in, of course, you'll all, all know straight away, is with the devil, the evil one. He is wrestling with us for the people of our community. He wants to blind them, to deceive them, to stop them from coming to a knowledge of Christ. We are in a wrestle with the devil for the people of our community. He wants to trip us up. He wants to bump us off course. He wants to confuse us and he wants to distract us so that when we get to uh, the end of our days, we might not hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, the good news is that if you're in Christ, you will hear those words. But he is trying to stop you from being effective and fruitful as a Christian. His goal is found in John 10.10. 10. It's to come to steal, to kill and to destroy. But our goal, it's the same as Christ, is to give life. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So that's the battle that we're in. That's the contest and the competition that we're in. We're in a, a contest with our sin nature. We're in a contest with the devil. Uh, and God has a prize for us if we, uh, if we stay faithful and make it to the end. The second thing we note about this passage in 2 Timothy is that the athlete has a goal. His goal is for the victor's crown. And we all want to receive the victor's crown, don't we? I mean, no one wants to, to fail or get knocked out of the race. We all want to get to the end of the race. And the good news for us is if we get to the end of the race, we win. There's a crown for us. It's not the first person across the line. It's whoever gets across the line. We receive his victor's crown. Let's read Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. Just back a few books in the Bible. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. And we'll read through to uh, verse 14. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him 
in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which, Christ, uh, for which God had called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so Paul, no matter how much he had achieved in his past life or what uh, value or substance he might have had in himself, he said, I, I count all of that as lost. He said, I look to Christ and I look to that goal that he has for me and I press on to that, counting all things lost. And we saw that last week with Kevin Bailey when he was talking about the, uh, the entrance course uh, into the SAS. I think he said, what, that his, his feet had been worn away down to the bone of the ball of his foot, that, uh, that he had that approach that it was all or nothing. He was either going to make it across the finish line and finish the course, or he was going to die trying. And that's the uh, sentiment that Paul's expressing here. He said, I, I count all things as loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, and I press towards that goal uh, that he has called me uh, heavenward for. And so Paul here takes an all-or-nothing approach, and he's encouraging us to do the same, that we should keep our eyes on the prize, not keep your eyes on the fries, but keep your eyes on the prize uh, and make it across the finish line. The third thing we see here is that the athlete needs to compete according to the rules. And under the old competition rules, or that is the Old Testament law, if a person broke one part of the law, they were guilty of breaking the whole law. James tells that in chapter 2. He says that if you're guilty of breaking one part of the law, then you're guilty of breaking all of the law. And all of the condemnation of the law came upon you. The good news is that we have a modified competition. We get an unfair advantage. We have the rules of the new competition, or the new covenant, the New Testament. And there are uh, some major competition requirements that we have. The first one is that we live by the law of love. What's the scripture say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus says if you do those things, you'll fulfil the law. You'll uh, meet all of the requirements. The second one found in Romans chapter 8 is that we are required to be led by the Spirit. If we're led by the Spirit, we'll never break the rules of the competition but we'll always comply won't get knocked out and we'll be in the race to receive the prize and of course in doing so we need to bear the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of love as well so i'd like to introduce a, a dvd now i find it quite inspiring uh, it's uh, a father and son team uh, dick and ricky hoyt of course with names like that you know they're american right? only americans would have father and son called dick and rick uh, they're a Christian couple, and you can see that. In fact, they don't uh, talk about that in this interview, but there are other interviews which you can see online. The NBC in the US on their Today Show interviewed them uh, and, and went a little bit into that, uh, some of the motivation for why they do what they do. And there's also some great YouTube clips uh, which you can grab hold of as well, which are set to some pretty inspirational music, which are official clips from their website. Uh, they're, they're a wonderful couple. They, uh, father and son team, I should say, they started off by doing small runs, as you'll, as you'll hear them say, and then they worked up to uh, the Ironman Triathlon competition. Now, just to let you know what that involves, it's a 3.4-kilometre swim. So you've got to swim 3.4 k's in the ocean. 
That's stage number one. Then after that, you uh, get out of the water as quickly as you can, transition into 180, I think, Z, is it 180K bike ride. So you're going to do a 180K bike ride. Now, you know the around the bay bike ride that, that gets done every year? Uh, well, that's about 210Ks if you're doing the full round the bay. So just a little bit shy of that. And then you follow that up with a marathon. So it's a bit of an endurance. It's a bit of a hard task. And, and lots of people don't finish the race. Uh, many do, of course. They train for it. Uh, so these, these uh, two guys, Dick and Rick, have gone in many, many, I'm just trying to think how many, they'll say in the, in the, in the DVD, many Ironman triathlons. I've done the Hawaiian Ironman triathlon as well, and uh, they are an inspiration. So, let's see if the DVD works. It could be a little bit fuzzy, apologies for that, but, uh, but hopefully we'll get there. Thanks. Registration for the 25th Ironman continues one by one. Some faces we recognize. Here is 58-year-old Richard Holcomb, number 214, back for a second try. He's legally blind and it doesn't matter to him. No, the thing that must occur at all costs is this time, cross the line. It's more than a race. It's a lifetime event that we'll remember for the rest of our lives. They're either going to carry me off the course or um, I'm going to cross the finish line. The stories about people like Richard Holcomb pass through this world as race week moves toward this morning. Hey, did you hear about the man who is legally blind? People love to tell and love to hear the stories. Then, appearing near the start line, where they've been before, are father and son, Dick and Ricky Hoyt. There is no one here who hasn't heard about them, their story, and a human commitment that goes far beyond and far back. January 10th, 1962. We knew there was something wrong, but we did not know exactly what. The doctor said, forget Rick. Put him away, put him in an institution. He's gonna be nothing but a vegetable for the rest of his life. We cried a little bit. We talked and we said, no, we're not gonna put Rick away. We're gonna bring Rick home and bring him up like any other child. We knew Rick was smart. We could tell by looking in his eyes. And when we talked to him, we, you know, he was paying attention to what we were saying. So we wanted to get a computer built so Rick could communicate with us. Everybody came to our house that night for Rick to say his first words. And everybody was betting, you know, what is the first words Rick is ever going to say? His mom's saying, it's going to be, hi, mom. And me, the dad, saying, oh, it's going to be, hi, dad. Well, the Boston Bruins were going for the Stanley Cup. And the very first words Rick ever said was, go Bruins. Dick is a military man, so he knows a thing or two about commitment. This time, he's just months removed from a heart attack. This gift that he gives to his son, or is it the other way around? Either way, it all started when Rick heard about a charity run for a paralyzed athlete. He asked Dad, and Dad said yes. The gun went off, and we went off with all the other runners, and everybody thought that Rick and I would just go to the corner and turn around and come back. 
Well, we didn't. We finished the whole five miles coming in next to last, but not last. And when we got home that night, Rick wrote on his computer, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like my disability disappears. So that was a very powerful message to me that we finally found a sport that Rick could get involved in just like everybody else. my motivator he inspires me to me he's the one out there competing and I'm just loaning him my arms and my legs so that he can compete there's just something that gets into me when I'm out there competing with Rick that I can't explain it and we're able to go faster and it, it's just an unbelievable feeling Rick and I love the Ironman triathlon to be out there competing with the best triathletes in the world to be accepted to compete along with these triathletes just to be out there on that pier with all the other triathletes and then waiting in the water for that cannon to go off it, it was just so exciting the feeling coming down the finish line and leaky drive it, it's just an awesome experience with the crowd there, all the excitement, the noise, and the announcers announcing all the adrenaline just gets flowing. I may be disabled, but I live a very fulfilling life. And if someone takes the time to get to know me, they will realize that I am no different than anyone else. Here he is. He graduated from public high school. He's graduated from college. He's out there competing in road races and triathlons. He lives a happier life probably than 95% of the population. Rick would tell you that, uh, you know, if he... If he was physically able to do something, that he'd probably play basketball or football or hockey. But then he always says, no, the first thing he'd do is sit down, have me sit down in his wheelchair and he'd push me. You know, it really makes me feel good that, uh, that you know, he appreciates, you know, what I'm trying to do to help him out. And he'd do the same thing for me. Our message is, yes, you can. You can do anything you want to do, as long as you make up your mind, you can do it. If you have ever searched for the meaning of life, stop. The answer lies right here. By the way, Ricky would want us to tell you, the Bruins look pretty good this year. Inspirational stuff, isn't it? And uh, the same commitment that they have as athletes is what we're required to have as people of faith to make sure that we cross the finish line. I'm going to invite Zed up onto the stage now and uh, we're going to take a moment here just to get organised. We'll reshuffle a few things while we do that.
Well, everyone, this is Zed. Say hi, Zed. Hi. Zed, this is everyone. <laughs> uh, Zed and I have known each other for a long time. Uh, school days, we go back to. And he's still my mate. I find that very hard to believe. Uh, and I always knew him at school as someone who was a good runner, um, enthusiastic runner, would often get out on the road and, and, and clock up the Ks and, and, uh, and just, I suppose, loved doing it. And then you took it up to another notch a little while ago and you did a few half Ironmans, or is that right, half distance Ironmans? How many? Uh, five, five so far. Five half Ironmans. So what's a, what's a half Ironman? Uh, it's a 1.9 kilometre swim with a 90k bike and then... 21.1 kilometre run, it's half, half marathon. Yep. And then you got the bug for the full. Yes. So how many of those? Now, you've entered a few of those. You got injured in a couple. Um, I've done four and completed three. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And the most recent one was the Melbourne yeah. Ironman? Melbourne Ironman. Last year? Yeah. You're racing back to another one this year? Uh, no. <laughs> Four's enough. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> oh, I'd like to do more, but uh, not yet. Not yet. Mm. So tell me, um, uh, now I, I sort of know, I've known you a little bit. You did, you did several of those full Ironmans a while ago, and this last one last year was like coming back into, yeah. in, into the mm. Ironman competition again. You agonised a little bit over the decision uh, to, to register. What, what was that like? What was going through your mind there? What did you think of? Uh, it's the time commitment to, to train. Um, I didn't have a time trial bike as well. Mm -hmm. And the 900 bucks for entry fee is another, another commitment. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, the time for training. You need yeah. around about 20 to 25 hours a week. So there's a financial commitment, yeah. registration, get the equipment right, mm. get the right bike. And a good bike to do a good time costs money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If anyone has a four or $5,000 carbon time trial bike that you're not really using and would like to give to Zed, <laughs> feel free. I'm sure he'd gratefully receive it. What, what size frame does it need to be? Uh, 56. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so I was gathering dust in the garage, you know. Um, so there's a financial commitment and there's, there's a time commitment. Uh, and there's also an emotional commitment, I guess, because you've got all those things going through mm. your mind about, well, what happens if I go in this and I don't make it? All my mates are going to give me a hard time. You know, there's all that stuff going on too, isn't there? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not, not going to make it easy for you. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to elaborate on that. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, he would get punished severely by... Uh, not by me. Because <laughs> when we go bike riding, I'm often the guy on the back hanging on for dear life and Zed's blazing a trail, so, so that's all good. But uh, I know some of the guys he rides with are, are pretty full on and... And yet they would let him remember that for several years afterwards. Correct, uh, yeah. It's called, <laughs> called bragging rights, basically. Bragging rights, that's it. So tell me about, um, about that, that decision and, you know, you're ready to sign the, the registration form, you sign it, you send it in. What goes through your mind then? Um, well, now it's all electronic, so um, a full Ironman, anyone can enter at any time. So they normally sell out within five minutes. So you have 2,000 places and on the internet when you register, you, unless you can actually log on quickly, it's unlikely that you're going to get in. So you've got to log on fast. I had two computers working at the same time. So I wanted to get in. So the, the, the commitment's made before. You, mm. You've got to decide that you want to do it. You've got to decide that you're going to pony up for the money, massage, physio, everything else that goes with it. 
stuff yeah. you got to buy. It's all there. There's, there's no half-hearted. You can pull out, but once you decide to do it, if you do go into it and you've got mates like mine and they know that you've entered because they're going to check online and then you pull out, you're going to get ragged for that anyway. <laughs> there's so, no backing out. No. Nah, so once you're in, you're in. That's the commitment. And you mentioned physio and masseuses. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. yeah, you'll pay for that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You've got to get a massage once a week. Yep. So, and, and so the financial commitment. And oh, then training. Solid. How, how, how long is the training period? How long would you prepare for an Ironman? Uh, 12 weeks. 12 weeks? 10 to 12 weeks. Would yeah. you need to build a base or a foundation before that? Uh, yeah, because this last one, I hadn't done one for 10 years. So, yeah, it was solid. You probably have to spend maybe 16 weeks yeah. to bring yourself up to speed. Yeah. And when you sit down and you design the training program, uh, you've, got to, you've got to do uh, swimming training, running training, yeah. cycling. Yeah. How many hours a week are we talking there? Oh, you, you're talking about nine, nine kilometres of swimming a week, um, 350 to 450 k's on the bike a week, mm-hmm. and then maybe 50 to 70 k's of running a week. So it's 20, it's 20 hours plus. 20 hours plus on top of a job, yeah. on top of family. Well, yeah. <laughs> My wife, my wife's out there. You're very patient, long-suffering <laughs> wife. Hi, Amber. How are you going? <laughs> For everyone that wants to learn about uh, patience, who's got a husband that might be out on a bike or running or something like that, see Amber. She knows. She can give you a few few words of encouragement and advice. <laughs> so, um, so it's 20 hours uh, plus massages plus all yeah. of the rest of it that goes on. What what would a typical week look like on a on a Monday? Would you have a day off on Monday, uh, or would you train? No, Monday would be a swim. That would be like mm-hmm. a 3K session. And then yep. Tuesday, Tuesday th- Tuesdays is cycling in the morning, running at night. Mm-hmm. Wednesdays is uh, swimming and, and running. Thursdays is cycling and running. Fridays is swimming. And then the weekends is, you know, five or six-hour bike rides, et cetera, yep. et cetera. And they go long. And so you go out early and come back at midday or later. Yeah. And you might do... You might work up to 150k yeah, ride yeah, on a Saturday. Up to, yeah, build up to 160s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made the the big mistake of shouting said lunch um, several years ago. I, I th- I'm not sure if you were training for an around the bay or it might have been an Ironman, and he ate like a horse. I was actually had to go to the bank and get a loan <laughs> <laughs> because I, you know, I'm thinking, oh, sandwich and a coffee, you know, it's all good. Oh yeah, it's sandwich, another sandwich, another sandwich. <laughs> Uh, go for the cake, the muffin, the <laughs> fruit, the coffee, and a smoothie. <laughs> I was on the phone to the bank manager saying, hey, can you just extend that line of credit a little bit? <laughs> I've shouted a mate lunch. <laughs> but, it, but it is a pretty all-encompassing commitment, isn't it? I mean, you've mentioned uh, the fact that it's, it, it costs some dollars yeah. to get it done. It costs a lot of time. Uh, it obviously has an impact on the family as well because your kids you know, didn't see you as much as what they would have and you would have gone through those difficult times in the morning or in the afternoon. Or, Dad, how come we don't see you anymore? Where are you? What are you doing? Yeah. Um, and, and then Amber probably would have been saying something similar. Zed, I'm going to be really grateful when the Iron Man's finished. Is that right? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> she's holding her hands up like this, like she's ready yeah, to choke him. <laughs> admittedly, I didn't train as much for this last Iron Man. Yeah. Um, purely because of that. So, yep. you know, you, you, on weekends, you just got to leave at five mm. in the morning. So you get back at a reasonable hour. Yeah. So you're up at five. You, sh- you structure your whole day around your training. Well, you're up earlier because you got to yeah. leave at five. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about the race itself. So, so you get down to the start line. 
Uh, you're, you're on the beach, I guess. It was at Frankston, wasn't it? Correct. Uh, with a couple of thousand other people. It's crowded. Very crowded. And you're ready to jump out into the ocean. Now, they had to shorten the distance, didn't they? Because the weather was bad, the wind. Yeah, the, there was two metre swells down at Frankston. Um, and so they sh halved the swim. Hmm. It's, uh, I don't, I'm not sure how many people... I know a number of people cheated in that race. <laughs> uh, and didn't go out to the boy because mm. it was very rough weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they probably couldn't keep track of him because no, the, the swell stopped it, yeah. Unfortunately, I, a lot of people then went hard on it and saying they shouldn't have, but most, a lot of people wouldn't have made it. It was just incredibly rough. Mm. Then you come out of the water mm. after being kicked, bumped, knocked. Yeah. Uh, you get elbows and feet in the face and all sorts yeah. of things in that because you've got so many people in such oh, yeah. a small spot. What are some of the, <laughs> the bruises you've taken away from a swim over the years? Oh, goggles get kicked off your face. Um, you get swam over the top of, <laughs> literally, yeah. and pushed under the water yeah. by somebody. It's, it's unfortunately, because of that many people, 2,000 people trying to go in one place, you're bound to, it's, yeah, it's a fight. The first 500 metres is a fight, basically. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you come out, you're ready to transition. Yep. You get on the bike. Yep. And then you're off for about a... Four hour or five hour bike oh, ride? I think it was five and something, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's a fair hack. At what, what, what point in that do you start feeling the pain? At the start of the bike ride. Start, <laughs> the start of the bike ride. Uh, <laughs> After the swim you touched. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, look, this is, this is the interesting thing. You go through feeling really good at times. Yep. And other times, you know, you'd, you'd want to be sick. Um, but that's just, I think that's the nature of Ironman. Sometimes you're feeling really good. Sometimes you're feeling bad. You go through rough trots. Yeah. You want to. You want to quit. Uh, I had to get some. Had to pull over one of those medical vans. I had um, chafing. Um, for those who are not aware, it's things are rubbing really hard in the wrong spots. Uh, and I had to get. And because some you're cream. coming out of the water as well. Yeah, I had to get some mm. cream on that. So mm. that was just excruciatingly. So I got cream on that. Yep. So these things happen all the time. You might get yep. a flat tire. If you get a flat tire. Unless you can fix it quickly, your day's gone. Yeah, you've ruined your race just on one little incident. On one incident, yeah. Yeah. Uh, during those times of, of pain and, you know, where, you, where you're really pushing yourself, what's, what's that inner voice saying to you? You know, what, what are some of the things, what's your self-talk like during that time? Uh, you make the commitment not to quit hmm. to start with. You hmm. will finish regardless. Um, it's, you know, you... You think about stuff that you, you know, you think about other things, what people have conversations in your head with yourself, um, yell at somebody else for doing something wrong, that always helps. Yeah, like driving. Um, yeah. yeah, like driving, <laughs> yell at a driver, yell at a bike rider who cuts you off, <laughs> uh, you know, eat something, yep. have a drink yep. of water, that sort of stuff. You just try and occupy your mind. Yeah. Have you been surprised at some of the things that have popped up in your head as you've been driving? You know, some of that, that self-talk, that motivating self-talk about, you know, don't quit, keep going, that sort of stuff. Do you find that coming up strong? Yeah, it's, you, you do because you, you'll break it down. You'll say it's only 20 kilometres to the next mm. turnaround point. Mm. So then all of a sudden it's only 20 k's. It's not, a, not another 120. So you, you break up the ride in different yep. places. I mean, the one here at Melbourne is an up and back course, so it's four laps if you like so you break mm. up the laps and do stuff yeah. like that yeah so after the 180 k's on the bike you're chafing yeah you, 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 you've 
you're hurting from the moment you get on the bike anyway. So 180 k's later, you're hurting in, in so many more ways. Yeah. And then you've got a marathon in front of you and you've got to run from Frankston to the city. Yeah. And I think you got to Morty, didn't you? And then, and then your hammy or your, no, your no, calf or something. I call, I call it, well, there's a terminology for it a bit. You just blow up. Yeah. You can't run anymore. Your legs are gone. You've had enough. So it's a run and walk proposition to the finish. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And it was a never quit thing. Yeah, you can't do that because then you've got people you know along the way, you know. You can't just pull out. You've got to keep going, even though it's going to be a long way. Walking and running to, from Morty Alec to St Kilda is a long way. Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. What goes through your mind? Oh, I hate this. I don't like this. I don't want to do this. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. I need to have a pee. There's no toilet. Where am I going to pee? Um, <laughs> Just to enlighten you, too, um, when they're on the bikes, they don't stop. I'll let you think about that. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, it's, actually, it's actually illegal to have a pee on the bike, but if you're behind someone and you notice a lot of water coming out, you've got to get out of the way. That's not the drink bottle spilling. No. <laughs> No, they normally put their hand in between the shorts like that to let yeah. it drain out. We won't get too graphic. <laughs> but um, so, so <laughs> you're in a run, all these things going through your mind. You've got a long way to go. Yeah. Um, time's marching on. Um, but you got to cross the finish line. Look, I half expected it because my running wasn't flash in training. Mm. So I had to go in a bit underprepared and I realised that I had a guess that Morty would be a point where I might start to suffer a bit. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, keep going. Um, it was really good having a home Ironman. Amber was running around from with the kids different points. Yep. So I'll meet you here and so you'd run to there or hobble to there, whatever that was. Mm -hmm. um, and you know it. It's, it's different if you don't know the course. Sometimes you're, it's a little bit better, but you know where you're running and yeah. stuff. So you just keep going. you just got to keep walking. If you're walking, you're walking. If you're running, you're running. As long as you get there by yeah. in the time frame, you're going to make it. That's it. So you make progress. Correct. And as long as you're progressing towards the goal... You're done. You keep going. That's the way. That's it. Sounds like our Christian life, doesn't it? In many ways. It's a whole-of-life commitment. It'll involve your finances. It'll involve emotional commitments, it'll involve a, a physical commitment, uh, it'll affect your family, uh, hopefully in a good way, but it'll affect them as well, your faith. And, uh, and so when Zed was weighing up that, that decision about registering or not, when he, when he said yes, he was on 100%. There was no, oh, I'll give it a crack and see how I go, and if I'm not feeling well, I'll pull out after the swim. It was, I'll get across the line. That's the goal. When you cross the line, what did it feel like? Uh, if anyone else has ever done one, you know what it's like running down the finishing chute. Um, it's, it's amazing. Anyone mm. who's done one will tell you that running down the finishing chute, going over the thing is mm. unbelievable. It's just fantastic. Yeah. You, you, you live for that. That's awesome. You do it again. Yeah. Well, you... Once you've thought about it for a bit, you don't want to do it again. But, you <laughs> but based on going that moment. through the finishing shoot is it's, a, it's euphoria. Any kind of pain. Funnily enough, it's it might be only 50 metres long, but I'm now running really well through the finishing shoot. Yeah, 
because yeah. there's no pain anymore. It's fantastic. It's Even awesome. though the, the 10 or 15 Ks before oh, that was agony. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's, it's, it's fantastic. It really is. We, we were following you online, you know, how you can get on the website and follow online. And, oh. and, and I, I saw your, your pace drop off at Morty. And I, I texted Amber somewhere around there, and I and I, I thought, oh, you got to be you got to be feeling it because you're a bit concerned about the run, I know. Yeah. And uh, and then I could monitor the. I think it was was it five k intervals or something like that. They yeah. they had updates anyway, and uh, I, I could see your times, and and I could just imagine how much you were toughing that out, and just the mental strength and the emotional strength that it took to to clock up another you know another another stage, another bit mm. of the run, and get over that that finish line. Uh, quite amazing, got to say, quite amazing. Yeah, look, I think if we're comparing it to be type like life, I think that I've been blessed with that type of endurance, and I think that everyone has their own. I mean, look, it's stuff that when Stuart and I worked together, a lot of the stuff that you did for me, like the nitty gritty typing out, getting stuff done contractual wise, I can't do that. Mm. But Stuart's really good at it. I think we've all got talents mm. that we've got, and one of my talents is that sport-type related mm. progress. When I was young, my parents would hope that it would rain on the weekends so that I could stay inside <laughs> because I was always out doing something. So mm. this is, we have our talents, and I think that you know, mm. doing distance events or pushing yourself harder than the average person is, is part of my talents, mm. I think. Yeah. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. That's amazing. And, uh, and there's a lot to admire in it. And, and there's a lot to learn from it as well, because Paul in this passage here in 2 Timothy chapter 2 makes reference to the athlete on purpose. It's an intentional reference. And he's saying that we as, as believers and we as people of faith can draw on the approach that athletes take to competing in a games and, and, and winning the prize uh, we can draw on that attitude and draw on that mindset so that we can apply that to our Christian life as well. It's not a half-hearted life. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a, I'll have a go and see. It's when you make a decision, you're in. And when you're in, you make that commitment to cross the finish line. And that's why, that's why Paul refers to that uh, when he's talking to Timothy. He's writing Timothy a letter and he's saying to Timothy, hey, you hang in there. You, like an athlete, you stay in until you cross that finish line and you receive the victor's crown. We're going to finish it there this morning as far as, uh, as, far as the message goes. Uh, to compete in the race, Zed, Zed went through a registration process when he entered the Ironman. Uh, and there's a registration process in the Christian life as well. And that registration process is inviting Jesus Christ into your life. To not do life on your own, but to say, Jesus, I want to do this life with you. I invite you in to be my Lord, my Saviour and to receive the forgiveness of sins that comes from you. We're going to, not right now, because we have uh, other things to do in our service, we'll be uh, launching our Connect uh, groups today as well in just a moment. But if you haven't yet invited Jesus Christ into your life, then I'd like to chat to you about that. And I'll be sitting here at the, at the front of the auditorium after the service today. And feel free to come and, and have a chat and just talk to me a little bit about what it means to register for this thing called the Christian life. God bless you. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for coming and sharing uh, some insights into your life.